All right, Ebenezer was a farmer. That's a song from Ten Penny Offer. Hope you enjoyed that to start off this How's It Growing rendition. Oh, man, oh, man, are we looking at April now. Summertime has arrived today, a high of 88 with beautiful gusty winds out of the south, gusting to 40 miles an hour this afternoon. Boy, that ought to suck the life out of you, right? Hey, welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection. Hi, I'm Bob Hendrickson. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. We plant Nebraska each and every day. Check us out at plantnebraska.org. All right. Well, great show lined up for you today. Um, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a second guest on, but one I know is on the line right now. We have Megan McGuffey. She is the program coordinator of Community Crops right here in Lincoln. Megan, can you hear me loud and clear? Wait, wait. No, not now. Now Megan can hear me loud and clear. How you doing, Megan? Yes. Good morning, Bob. <laughs> good to be here. Yeah. Great to have you here. Are you busy, busy? Oh, yeah. Staying in the greenhouse, just like you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It was kind of hot in there yesterday, wasn't it? Absolutely. I, I literally had, uh, yeah, in the mornings it's not bad in there, but in the afternoons uh, it gets a little, uh, and it's cool. This greenhouse we use has these uh, thermostats on it. You can set it at 90, right? So when mm -hmm. the temperature in the greenhouse gets to 90, uh, the flaps open, the fans come on, and it kind of, brings the outdoor air in and kicks out that uh, beautiful warm humid air so basically i was looking at what around 90 degrees in the greenhouse yesterday with uh, what a dew point of what around 80 <laughs> percent something <laughs> like that so uh, i had sweat dripping off my nose so that was kind of wild the first time this year for me anyway so are things growing well in your greenhouse there at community crops yeah, it's amazing. You get a little sun and a little warmth and, and things really just, they take off from being these teeny tiny plants. So it, it's fun to see it really fill up as we get closer to the plant sale. It almost gets to a point where it's like, okay, dude, slow down. We're not ready for you yet. You know, I don't need you huge in that little bitty pot. But uh, yeah, excited oh, yeah. for the upcoming plant sale season, Megan, right? Yes, we are. We are doing a whole bunch of sales this year. So we'll do our traditional sale from the greenhouse out at Root and Hive at First and Pioneers. That'll be the first two Fridays and Saturdays in May. But then we're also going to be at Plants and Pints at the Hub Cafe and Market on Wednesdays in May. And then we'll also be at the Sunday Farmer's Market at College View um, for a few Sundays in May. So lots of places to get your plants. Yeah, that's great that, uh, you know, you're you're giving us more options. You know, I know the, the plant sale of community crops has uh, been, gosh, at a number of different locations, including Waiuka, and I'm trying to remember the Waiuka stables prior to that. Oh, man, it's all a blur, right, trying to remember where to go. But, yeah, a number yeah. of different locations. So it's cool to hear that you guys are being mobile and, and hitting different locations, including, uh, like like you say, you're, you're kind of your where you have your greenhouse, right? Uh, you, yes, it's you, kind of an urban ag hub out at Root and Hive. So yeah. There's a native plant nursery. There's another person who's growing in her, her greenhouse and does plant sales and, and veggie sales throughout the season. So it's really a fun spot. Yeah, no doubt. And let's see. I see you're there. Oh, man, where did I not see that? Oh, there it is, Root and Hive. I have Friday, May 5th. That's the first one. That's right. You got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, and then Saturday, May 6th as well. And I know Midwest Natives, I saw their ad out too, that they're having their plant sale, their first plant sale on Saturday, May 6th. So I imagine it's going to be just a little hopping down there that day. <laughs> 
yeah, so it's a great, great to see all the customers kind of bounce around the different places and find some fun stuff. So we're really glad, glad to be part of it. Yeah, that's really cool. And so, um, you know, off the top of your head, uh, what type of uh, plants can uh, plant starts, vegetable starts, can I hope to find at the community crop sale? Oh gosh, we've got a good variety. So we, we really, we try to focus on having a few of the standards, but we really try to distinguish ourselves by having some of those plants that are maybe a little harder to find at your big box stores. So, you know, we'll still have tomatoes, but we really focus on different heirloom and cherry varieties that you might not be able to find just anywhere in town. And so we've got tomatoes, eggplants, tomato, uh, peppers, melons, <laughs> squash, all sorts of things, lots of herbs and flowers. So yeah, it'll be a good variety that should be able to meet a good portion of most people's garden needs. Yeah, it's too cool. And what I often do, you know, I'll order a packet of tomato seeds and I'll grow them in the greenhouse, as perks I call them. And I'm sitting on four flats of tomatoes right now, right? And so <laughs> I don't need four flats. When I say flats, folks, I mean like 32 plants per flat. So, right? So that's 128 <laughs> tomatoes. No, I don't plan on planting all those. So I just, you know, take what I want of those varieties and then, uh, you know, give them away to friends, right? And so, exactly. but and I'm like, ah, oh, man. I didn't order a packet of cherry tomato seeds. Well, I don't need more than one, right? And so I use places like community crops, plant sales to kind of shore up my diversity within my uh, tomatoes or my peppers, right? So one cayenne pepper, maybe two is good enough for me, right? To make some some dried <laughs> cayenne pepper flakes. Uh, love that. Man, if you ever, I love pepper flakes on pizza. I don't know if you're a fan of that, Megan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big fan of that. But, you know, when you look at those pepper flakes, uh, they're kind of dark and whatnot versus making your own and they're like bright red and you're like going dude who knows how old those pepper flakes are getting that you're putting on your pizza maybe you're at a pizza joint whatever but you would think they would uh, contract with somebody local and say i want your pepper flakes right <laughs> so. right well and it's exciting to see people like try to do more of that and even so one of our greenhouses is really focused on our fundraiser plant sale but we also grow plants for our garden program participants and we give those away and anything we can't use or don't sell in the plant cell, we also will add to what we give away to gardeners. But our other greenhouse is really focused on renters. And so we do have local farmers um, growing for their own farm businesses on our properties okay. elsewhere. And I know we have at least one farmer um, partnership that is growing like tons of different ingredients for a hot sauce, for example. So yeah, it's, it's cool to see what people are doing locally with their ingredients. Yeah, and that's cool that you offer that because uh, that was going to be my question with your, your uh, what do you call it, beginning farmer program. Which, mm -hmm. Yeah, so out there at Prairie Pines Nature Preserve, that's where that takes place, folks, in case you're living under a rock and you didn't know that already. But um, those folks are like, well, we need a place to start our plants too, right? Rather than just sticking a, an eggplant seed in the ground, kind of getting a, a jump on things, right? So you provide that as well to these people. Yeah, yeah. So we, we always prioritize space for people who are at one of our farm sites. So we've got the Prairie Pines Farm and now we've got Air Park Farm under development. But uh, we do have a few other local farmers in the greenhouse as well. And we love to see it. And yeah, that's a huge part of production. If you're a farmer in Nebraska, it's having that early season extension start and um, it's hard to find rental space. So we're, we're glad to be able to help with that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, good good work with that. All right, so uh, you heard it here, folks. Root and Hive, be down there on either Friday, May 5th, Saturday, May 6th. Easiest thing for you to do is to go online 
and uh, go to Community Crops Lincoln, and uh, you can click on their events, and then it has uh, on the on the drop down. You can click on their plant sales, and then you get a listing of where they'll all be. It looks like the plant sales are going to be uh, through Wednesday, May seventeenth, and again starting up. Uh, uh, and you and, and let me ask about this too, Megan. You you mm-hmm. say here at the top it says online pre order available. Do you have that available for folks as well? So you can pre order between April twenty. 8th and May 7th and does that mean I can pre-order and then pick them up at one of those locations? Right so our pre-order will mostly focus on that first weekend of sale and so we'll get some more information up on the website soon you're exactly on the right page Bob but um, really yeah some people don't enjoy the the scuffle of shopping in person they just want to have it nice and convenient we started that during the pandemic so um, that last week of April, people can place their order online, and then you basically just do drive-through pickup from the greenhouse, pick up your plants, and be on your merry way. So, Or, you know, of course, get out and see if there's a few more things you need, <laughs> whatever you prefer. Right. That's cool. So if I'm, once you guys have that set, because I know inventory is a moving target uh, being a grower, it's like, okay, okay. Uh, kudos to whoever's in charge of that. Is that you, or is that somebody you got else working on that? <laughs> that's Amy. She's the best. But yeah, that's why we're mostly just doing it that first week because as you said, it's a moving target. And so in the later weeks, we don't want anyone to be disappointed if our inventory isn't matching. So that's definitely a benefit for folks that want to shop early. Yeah, good job, Amy, keeping track of that. Because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, add another hundred of this or that. Okay, now we got constantly <laughs> updating. And and I do have to give a shout yeah. out to Megan, too, another person on staff there, Megan Baker, uh, your garden program specialist. So she came out during your busy season. Well, I'm assuming it was busy, Megan. If you're listening in, a shout mm-hmm. out to you for coming up to our greenhouse and spending a, I can't remember if it was a morning or an afternoon, people signed up for three-hour stints to volunteer transplanting little seedlings. So which brings me, so thanks again, Megan. And so which brings me to um, the other Megan, right? <laughs> thanks you, Megan, yes. too. But um, which brings me to, do you guys offer that type of opportunity for folks that are looking to kind of say goodbye to winter and, you know, help out in the greenhouse? Do you have any volunteer opportunities for that? Yeah, we we do have kind of year-round volunteer opportunities and kind of what we ask is um, people fill out an application with us and then we kind of meet with you and make sure that we can find a good fit. So we don't like necessarily like publicly list easy sign up for like just the greenhouse, but we like to work with people as their schedule allows on an ongoing basis. So if you're interested in being a volunteer, you know, we, we have opportunities year round and we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, that's great. And uh, because, again, uh, man, that help in the greenhouse is just awesome. And even if you get somebody that's never done it before, I think for them to leave with that confidence and that knowledge, you, you know, say there's they've never started seeds and doors and, you know, in the, in the basement. And one of the challenges is transplanting. Mm-hmm. And, and it scares you at first, that first time you're doing, because, you know, it's like just holding the plant makes you think you're going to kill it, right? It so, seems so delicate. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then they see you the way you're manhandling that thing and you're like, oh, they're a guy going, aren't you going to kill that little plant? No, <laughs> it is fine. We call it the root to shoot ratio. So I'm assuming <laughs> Megan, so you guys order your seeds from a variety of locations, like you say, kind of honing mm-hmm. in on heirloom varieties, and then you get your seeds in, and then you're starting them in the greenhouse. Uh, when do you typically fire things up in the greenhouse to, to get things underway? Yeah, so far we've been focusing kind of mid-February on. I mean, there are a few things you can start earlier, like onions and such, but uh-huh. the bulk of our stuff we focus 
starting in mid-February when your peppers and eggplants need to get going for the most part. Right, right. And a little more sun up and, you know, day length is a little longer. I mean, there's there's a reason people don't start these things in December, folks. Just uh, The light's just not there. And then they would be, Absolutely. you know, too far along. Um, in, in other words, you have to get supplemental light in your greenhouse. Well, that's an expensive proposition to do that, getting those metal halide lights. Yikes. But people do do it and more power to them doing it. So, all right, uh, let's see, Megan. So is there anything else with the plant sales you want to chat about? I think that covers it for the plant sale. Like, yeah, there's tons of great local farmers selling plants this year. I know the, the Arboretum sale is coming up as well. So I would just encourage people to keep an eye out because there's lots of great opportunities to support local farmers right now with their plants. No doubt. Shout local. That That's, yeah, you're right. I should say that. Yeah, we're having a Saturday, May 6th sale as well. <laughs> and that is from 9 <laughs> till noon on UNLE's campus. And I'm pretty sure, oh, I know folks, uh, Janet, if you're listening, you know, give us a call about the Herbal Society, Nebraska Herbal Society sale, I believe is also on Saturday, May 6th. So you can just do a, a road trip around town, folks, and support all these local nonprofits that are doing great work for us here in the community. Okay, let's see. Oh, and Megan, I also have to, I promise to do this. Let me do it real quickly. Uh, UNL Extension is having free composting demonstrations. They do this every year out of the Pioneers Park Nature Center. And for information there, just go to Lancaster County Extension. But the first one is coming up on Saturday, May 20th. That is 10 to 11 a.m. at, uh, again, Pioneers Park Nature Center. Uh, you just look for the extensions banner down there. When you go, um, you'll see their banner and uh, learn how to compost. If you haven't done it already, you're missing out. And believe you and me, those people that come and do those composting demonstrations, well, they have a brown thumb. Uh, pun intended. Uh, rather, they have a, a brown thumb to give their other thumb that green hue, right? So... Uh, everybody should be composting, right, Megan? Absolutely, and we've actually worked with the master composters with Extension, and they do an incredible job. They've done some demos with our gardens, and we, we really appreciate it, so check them out for sure. Yeah, no doubt. They provide lots of great information, and, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's something, again, we should all be doing. We don't want to see those leaf bags on any more uh, driveways, you know. Sometimes you'll That's see right. 60, 60 leaf bags out in a driveway, and I do a dude who'll actually parade around town, knock on doors, and say, hey, can I take those off your hands? <laughs> Talking to you, Ross. All right, yeah, good stuff. All right, so let's see here. All right, then, so we got the plant sales covered. What else do you want to talk about here with Community Crops? What else you got cooking? Oh, sure. Well, a few updates. I'm one Earth Days this weekend. I saw a shout yeah. out earlier on KVUM for that. Um, so Amy will be out at Earth Days, but with a community crops booth. And if you want to stop by, she'll be doing some mulching demos and talking to you about kind of getting ready for a water-wise um, planning with your, your garden. So we'd love to see you. And uh, she will also have flyers because one of the other things we're really excited about this year is that we are going to be doing a lot more educational programming post-pandemic. So uh, we'll be doing a lot of different classes and workshops on sustainable gardening practices, you know, everything from composting and mulching to pest and disease management, um, things with perennial agriculture. So uh, check check um, out our booth this Saturday and you can learn a little bit more about the workshops coming up. And we'll also post those online soon as well. But we are just 
super excited to work with a lot of really awesome local folks that are knowledgeable and to just you know it's we're really excited that we give people access to land but we also just want to give them the tools to be successful so we are thrilled to be doing more educational programming this year yeah that's awesome that you're doing that because a lot of people you know i think we found out during COVID, if we all know uh that everybody was kind of like oh man okay i might as well garden right so gardening increased (laughs) and but a lot of new time gardeners and what i didn't want to have happen is okay i'm new to this i spent a lot of money getting this stuff ready a lot of labor a lot of a lot of sweat, blood, and tears, uh, and and my garden failed, right? So we don't want them to fail. Um, so kudos to Community Crops for saying, all right, let's provide educational opportunities, for, especially for beginning gardeners, if not experienced gardeners, because you can always pick up a tip or two, folks, uh, from no matter how long you've been doing it and, and thinking you my way is the, the best way, right? <laughs> There's always ways to, to do things uh, differently. And so, yeah, that's awesome. So, And that's also a good idea so if I heard you right, Megan, you're going to have it like on a card that I could put on the refrigerator to remind me when those educational uh, opportunities take place. Is that right? You got it. Yeah. So we'll have those at Earth Day. We'll also put some information online so people can sign up and get reminders and all that good stuff as well. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So best way to do that is to follow Community Crops on Facebook. I'm imagining that would be one way uh, you're going to be hearing from them about opportunities coming up for sure. And and let's talk a little bit more about Earth Day. Honestly, I was kind of getting ready for the show, dotting my I's and crossing my T's before the show started. And uh, I've only was kind of half paying attention. It is this Saturday, correct? Out at Innovation Campus. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I can't remember the start and the end time, though. I believe it's 10 to 2. I'm going to verify so I don't lead your listeners astray. But right. I think, that's my, my memory. Yeah, I think I think you're right on on that. And, uh, Pat, if you're listening, I think we should be going to this because, uh, well, one of our favorite bands is playing there. Chris Lager, they have booked. So uh, great music. Um, you know, good, inspiring, uh, we love life music from, from the Lager Band. So good stuff. And Innovation Campus, was it there last year? I didn't make it last year, I know. I think so, yeah. yeah. And they just keep adding more events and, and keep it exciting. So, yeah, they have a really nice website, org, if you want to check it out. But I know we'll be there and lots of other good friends in the community. So, yeah, everything from entertainment to educational stuff to food should be a pretty fun day. There's a clothing swap this year, so looks like they're doing lots of fun stuff. No doubt. And, it, and you know, one thing you can say to folks is, well, how can I make a difference to help our earth, right? To help our planet. And that is, well, we're talking about it right now. Green stuff, people, plants, and food security, right? I learned we, we all need to, everybody needs to have a garden. And that's my dream is you're driving down Lincoln and it's less turf and more garden and not just shoved in the back, hidden from view, but right out front in everybody's view. Like, come on in and have a tomato, right? <laughs> Many, yes, many, yeah, many years ago, there was a show on, on any TV called Victory Garden, and there was a fellow there, uh, Roger Swain, and he was one of the hosts, and even as a kid, I would tune into that, uh, probably because when I was a kid, you know, you didn't have all these channels, right? It was like three <laughs> or four, and I'd be flipping through the channels, looking for something, and I, sh- I say flipping, no, actually physically turning the channel, that we didn't have 
remotes back then, folks. I know it's the olden days. And uh, anyway, Victory Garden was on, and I, I, I did get to hear Roger Swain speak once, and he talked about this, that horticulture was not meant to be uh, for ornament. It was meant for feeding people, for food. And, right. uh, mm-hmm. and horticulture has kind of turned into just this ornamental or ornate thing. And we've kind of left food in the backyard. And he said, vegetable gardens used to be in the front yard. The white picket fence was basically, you know, surrounding your vegetable garden. And, you know, the mom and dad maybe were working out in the garden in the evening. The kids were out front riding their bikes in the street. And so neighbors were walking by saying, how are their tomatoes doing, Joe? Or, hey, you want an extra zucchini? And, hey, we're growing lots of green beans. We'll bring you some by. So it really builds community. It builds, you know, getting to know your neighbor, right? Yes, totally agree. And I think putting your garden in your front yard is a great way to do that. It, it I've heard that story so many times from... Tim and Kay at the Holly Hamlet, you know, they, they went years without talking to their neighbors and you start doing some weird stuff in the front yard where you're growing vegetables and people stop by, say hello, and you can start to form relationships. And we love that with our community gardens as well. You know, we, we encourage people to walk through and just, you know, look, don't touch, but see all the ways that people are growing, you know, even a tomato, there's a million different ways to grow it based on your, your cultural practices and how you were trained. And so it's just fun to explore and talk to people and connect around food. No doubt. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just a, a good thing to do. And we we did sow some seed this week. Uh, for me, usually, oh, first week in April, I'll kind of look at the forecast. You know, what, what's the two-weeker look like, right? Is there anything major coming, some big front that's going to give us record lows? And if the, I see nothing on the horizon, okay, you're going in, lettuce. Even though I know they can take cold temperatures, you know, I'm, I'm still not going to chance it, right? So we sold, uh, well, three different types of leaf lettuce. I know we got arugula in the ground, cilantro in the ground, um, a kale mix, uh, beets. Um, so pretty excited about that. And we got a little dog last October, right? And mm-hmm. so I hadn't had to fence off the garden a long time. Well, she's been kind of running through there throughout the winter, right? And so we had to fence the whole thing off. Four little, little four-foot section. Uh, adjacent to our steps there, uh, I, I ran short, right? And so okay. the little dog has found her way into the garden. Three times I busted her inside the garden. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, and she's not digging big holes. you don't want her to be. <laughs> uh, not big and dig, digging big holes, mind you, but just those little paw prints, right? Uh, ruining my, <laughs> my perfect rose, right? So, oh uh, boy. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun. Okay, so we've got Earth Day coming up this Saturday, folks, April 15th at Innovation Campus. And, and Megan, did you confirm it is from 10 till 2? I did, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, if we make it, uh, I know my morning's tied up, and there is a 50-50 chance of rain lingering from Friday night. Did I just say chance of rain? Yes. Friday night, uh, it's up to 80% chance, so crossing our fingers, we get a good rain, at least something more than a half inch. Come on, man. And then it's supposed to be kind of 50-50 chance Saturday morning, but then that chance goes away. I would imagine by mid-morning, we're probably going to be okay. I'm leading a wild edibles uh, nature hike in Wilderness Park at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. And I would have told you folks about that earlier, but it is sold out. And what I mean by sold out, it's booked up. We capped it at 40, you know, because it'd be kind of hard to lead a tour uh, looking at plants at Wilderness Park with more than 40 people, right? So it's just fun to all the interest people are having in wild edible plants and 
and they know listening to this show, whether you're interested or not, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> so, so it's nettle season, Megan, by the way. So have you ever harvested and eaten nettles before? I haven't, but, you know, hearing you talk about it and seeing people like Maggie at Milkweed yes. doing dishes with it, it, it's got me intrigued. I'd love to learn more. I'm telling you what, and talking to Maggie, we've had her on the program before. Her When she makes vegetable stock for soups and whatnot, her go-to, mm-hmm. or any soup, her go-to, first go-to, no matter what, is nettles to create that base. Hmm. And so it is a weed, too, folks. A lot of people think uh, the stinging nettle is native. It is not. It's a European plant. It was. It's so naturalized that we more or less consider it native. So, in other words, if you're saying, well, I don't want to harm a native plant, it's not. It's a weed, right? So <laughs> harvest away. And secondly, you're not digging the plant up. You're just pinching it off. The plant will shrug its shoulders and say, see a human, because I'm going to keep doing my thing. So it is just a win-win when you're harvesting, I guess I'll say it, an invasive species, but an invasive species that can feed the planet, no doubt about it, for free. How cool is that? So I'm going to put you on the spot, Megan, and I'm going to say let this year be the year you try nettles. And if you're like, what am I going to use them for? As Kay Young said in her dish, uh, in her Wild Seasons book, uh, they go great with eggs. So let your first, you know, all right. blanch some up, you know, put them in their ice bath and then chop them up just like you would do spinach. Put them in your scrambled eggs and then say, where have you been all my life? <laughs> all right. Challenge accepted. I love it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, maybe you've done lamb's quarters, something like that. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's so many exciting things. And I think that I, I love that you're doing the foraging classes because I, I think it is so exciting for people to think like there's always an angle on a piece of creativity that people can connect with their food on. So it does if you're not a traditional gardener, you know, maybe check this out. There's just so many, there's abundance all around us. And when you talk about the landscaping, I'm always amazed too with like, you know, there I've seen like at the Sunken Gardens, they've used like lacinato kale in, in their landscaping. It's a beautiful plant. So there are ways people can be creative and expressive that do something productive that can help the planet very good excellent excellent yeah uh do both do garden and forage and uh, and have fun with it get out there and it's all about getting you out there in nature and soak up that vitamin d man because it is a strong <laughs> one today a little bit of smoke coming from kansas in the air but nothing too bad at least in my opinion um all right megan well i will let you go here uh unless there's any other last things that uh, you wanted to mention before i let you go no, thanks so much for having me on, Bob. Appreciate it. My pleasure, and thank you for coming on. And uh, you guys get back in the greenhouse and, and keep doing good work there at Community Crops. Oh, and I just have to quickly say, I, I think I heard, I asked somebody why the fence was taken down there at the 46th and Pioneers location, and they said mm-hmm. that's that's no longer a, a, a crop location, right? I think the land was sold or something. I can't remember. Yes, NeighborWorks Lincoln is actually going to make it into some affordable housing. So if you have to leave the garden, I'm glad it can be for something like that. But we yeah. had lots of planning time and warning. And we're actually building a new garden at Gear Library. So that's going to serve that same area. Yeah, the Gear Library site. That's awesome. I haven't driven back behind to see how that's going. I imagine uh, chugging ahead, right? We're getting ready, hopefully very soon, to start with installation. So we've got, uh, we're we're very excited for the year. We're just still doing all of our soil tests and finalizing everything. But yeah, it should be a really exciting first year. We can't wait. Too cool. Good work. 
All right, Megan. Well, you take care, and uh, hopefully I will bump into you at one of your sales. And folks, again, to check out the Community Crops plant, upcoming plant sales, easiest way for you is to go to communitycrops.org, and you can either print off the list or you can show up at Earth Day this Saturday, talk to Amy, and get a listing of the sales there as well as upcoming educational events, right? Yep, absolutely. Have a great one, Bob. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Megan. All right, that's Megan McGuffey, the uh, coordinator at uh, Community Crops. Thank you, Megan, for calling in today. All right, folks, I got to take a break, and I'll be back right after this. You're listening to How's It Growing right here on KZUM Lincoln. All right, thank you again to Megan McGuffey for calling in from Community Crops. You know, I had another caller... uh, well, kind of set up, but I'm not sure. I, I kind of dropped the ball and didn't get a hold of her uh, quick enough. Holly, the uh, market manager uh, for the Sunday Farmers Market at College View. Uh, just here to tell you, market season is right around the corner. How exciting is that? And, of course, you heard the promo here on uh, KZUM earlier that the Hubs Cafe's uh, Wednesday Farmers Market uh, is starting up, and uh, man, I should have looked that up. If anybody's listening, uh, uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, call me up about your Hub Cafe Farmer's Market, and we'll chat about that. Anyway, the uh, Sunday Farmer's Market at College View is starting up on Sunday, April 30th, the last day of April, from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m., and uh, that's there at uh, 48th and Prescott there in College View. And looking forward to market season right around the corner. Good stuff, Maynard. And if you have not attended the uh, Sunday Farmer's Market in College View, you're in for a treat. So make it a part of your Sunday ritual to go support your local farmers. And if I had my way, everybody would sell out every every market. Uh, they're, they're taking nothing home, right? Because there's so many of us consumers saying, I need that stuff, right? And uh, man, we really got to support our local farmers, folks. They're not getting help. They're not getting subsidies from the government like other certain ag-related industries do. So you can help them out. All right. And again, uh, Community Crops, upcoming plant sales, you can support them. The great way for them to raise funds at their different plant sales, starting at the Root and Hive on May 5th and 6th. Uh, Check that out again online. All right. Let's see. Now, I think I'm ready to kind of switch gears a little bit. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about uh, medicine season. Now, I mentioned nettle season. We're smack dab in it. The nettles are up and at them. So if you're interested in foraging, uh, learn about it. Go out with a friend. Maybe uh, maybe you haven't before. Well, I would tell you to join us this Saturday, but it's already sold out. So uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to do that for you. But uh, you need to put it on your bucket list of things to do. Next week's show, I have uh, Barbara Salvatore's on. She's coming on to do our Life Stories Plant Medicine Show series. And uh, Barbara and I are going to talk most of the show. I, I haven't heard back from her yet, but I know I kind of wanted to make it the nettle show where we have every spring we talk about nettles. And I'm telling you, can you talk about stinging nettles for an hour? Yes, you can. There's so much, so much in the history, the uses, the food stuff, um, the medicine part of it, uh, on and on from the, uh, the, the spring greens to the the stalk that's used for fiber and for urtication and uh, to the seeds being a superfood while the whole dang plant is superfood and the whole darn plant 
is uh, nothing but super chlorophyll. So learn all about nettles and be, be prepared to run down that rabbit hole with us. But this week, I want to talk about another important medicine for us to take because believe it or not, yes, stinging nettles is medicine as well. People will prescribed for joint pain and it's uh, anti-inflammatory it's just good stuff if you don't believe me look up on herbal uh, medicinal benefits of nettle tea just the darn tea well today i want to talk a little bit about uh, our willows right and willows we're kind of noticing them right now it could be a weeping willow right that you're noticing this time of year that the branches are kind of yellow and uh, they appear yellow until you get closer it's like oh it's, it's actually in flower so the flowers of a willow is called a catkin and uh the catkins are kind of these dangly earring type things on the and, and they're the flowers right and so it becomes a very important uh, pollen and nectar source for our favorite bees and insects right and the, especially the small bees will take advantage so with this warm weather 88 degrees a lot of our bees are emerging already and they're like dude there's there's no flowers for me to to sip nectar from there's very few flowers of course i'm lying of course we have daffodils out and whatnot but they're not providing the same benefits as our trees so without trees i'm afraid our pollinating insects would be in serious trouble okay i'll put shrubs in that too because some of the earliest flowers of the season are from our trees right and you've heard it on the show before right now we've got elms well they've already been in flower the elms are actually done flowering already so they were providing that early season nectar uh, for the bees but they're, they're also visiting right now of course, magnolias are coming in bloom, but willows are probably one of the most important. Anything in the pop, uh, poplar family, like a cottonwood, also doing their thing now as well. Uh, where, well, the cottonwood, not quite yet, but the sap sure is flowing, and so they're collecting the propolis on the cottonwood buds as well. So really, uh, pollinating insects would be in a world of hurt without the willow. And the willow is, uh, you know, there's hundreds of species of willow throughout the world. And they belong in the genus Salix and are simply called that in many areas. They, rather than saying willow, they call them Salix. And most of them love water. You'll often see them in oak and like wet ditches, commons areas. So they're easy to find, the wild willows. And all the willows... Um, really contain that uh, the natural chemical compound salicin and salicin is spelled s-a-l-i-c-i-n well salicin is uh, when consumed your body turns salicin into salicylic acid which acts as an anti-inflammatory to relieve ailments like minor headaches and pains arthritis muscle soreness and in addition to salicin, willow bark contains plant compounds called flavonoids, which also act to combat, combat inflammation. So basically, it's good medicine. And get this, the medical record of using willow bark for pain relief exists in almost every archival text that demonstrates medicine and herbal remedies. It goes way back. Even Hippocrates wrote of it. He was also commonly, it was commonly used amongst Native Americans and many other indigenous cultures all over the world. So how cool is that, right? So how to harvest willow bark for medicine? Well, of course, I'll make a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor, and you should consider consulting your family practitioner before using willow bark as a medicine. Of course, anything topical, uh, it's fine. But uh, just be, just be, you know, do your diligent research on that. And your doctor may not know anything about it anyway, right? Um, but look it up. 
and, and look up for any precautions you may need to take uh, when taking willow bark tea or making a tincture out of it. You can do both, right? So the, uh, the white willow, Salix alba, and then the black willow, Salix niger, seem to be the most common species used for commercial production of willow bark medicine. And indeed, you can buy willow bark medicine in the form of capsules or extract. It's sold at most natural food medicine stores and online. But you can also harvest your own from nature and make your own willow bark tincture or dried willow bark for tea right you can use it from countless other species of willow uh, with equal effect um, the one you're probably most often going to bump into though is uh, the weeping willow right which is a cultivar of that white willow that i mentioned so the white willow salix alba occurs all over the world folks and the weeping willow is the one most folks are familiar with right but there's also the um oh poo, uh, pussy willow pussy willow is in full bloom right now too and, uh, you know, they don't bloom very long, but I challenge you, if you know where a pussy willow is, uh, cruise by that maybe on a daily stroll today. Maybe you're out walking your dog and just stop and look and listen for the life, uh, the, just uh, the, the insects clamor over the pollen and nectar from the willows. So do they know something we don't know? I'm, I'm convinced, sure, it's an early nectar source for them, meaning there's not much else to choose from. But I also think they're getting that important medicine, too, uh, for a healthy nest and a healthy hive, right? So uh, it'll help your bees uh, in the long run overcome, you know, build their immune system to, so they can overcome the problems that are plaguing certainly our farmer bees, the honeybee, as well as native bees, too, right? Anyway... All right, so now you know the willow's important and it's easy to harvest and you can go and get, this is the best time of year to do it, early spring, the sap is flowing before the, the leaves come out and in some cases the buds, the leaves are swollen and just starting to emerge, they're cute little leaves, but uh, it has three layers to recognize uh, on that bark. And first, before I talk about that though, I got a caller online. Hello caller, who am I speaking with? Hey Bob, it's Dave. Dave, what's shaking? Hey, uh, you know, any gardener would know that it's going to be really windy today because the magnolias are blooming. Because the magnolias are blooming? Yeah. You got about three hours. <laughs> that's funny, Dave. That's, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I like how you, I, how you say that. Yeah, you got about three hours to enjoy your magnolia bloom, you're saying? Yeah. That's funny. Because that wind's just going to kill them. Right. And, yeah, so enjoy your, you know, usually when crab apples are in bloom, I call it uh, crab apple week because you're lucky to get a week out of them, right? Magnolias might be yeah, yeah, yeah. crab apple day. And and get this, Dave, look it up. Uh, the, the pink magnolia, I don't know about the white one for sure, but the pink yeah. one in, in China, uh, it is a rite of passage. They go out every spring and collect the flower petals of a magnolia, and they pickle these darn things. So look up pickled magnolia flowers. And I've not done it before. It's on my bucket list to do. And as this one dude talks about it on his blog, he said, just be careful. Don't just go help yourself to anybody's magnolia blossoms because you'll probably get yelled at, right? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing to my tree? But he said there's a way to pick them just a few petals off of each flower so you're not hurting the flower, blah, blah, blah. So uh, Excellent. Put, put that on your bucket list, mister. Thanks, Slacker. All right. Party on. All right. See you later, buddy. All right, that is Mr. Slacker. Good stuff, David. All right, now I got a caller on the other line. Richard, is this you? Yes, it is. Hey, how you doing, mister? 
I haven't talked to you for quite a while. Yeah, no doubt. How's how's life? Is it uh, nice and calm where you're at right now? Oh yeah, life is good. <laughs> yeah. Got to be great to go out there and enjoy nature, like you're saying with the with the nettles. Why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you harvest them every year, do you, Richard? Pardon? You harvest nettles every year, do you? Yep, yep, every year. Yep, I got a little patch out in the backyard. So, are, yeah, no. Our years up. Pardon? Our years up already then? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They're up there a foot tall. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, I'm I'm leading a a wild edibles hike at Wilderness Park, you know, and I have not made it down to where we're going, and I'm, like, crossing my fingers. But now, shoot, three days in a row in the 80s, yeah, they're going to be up. They're going to be up. Yeah, it'll still help all the the other stuff, too, the dandelions and the lambs quarters and, you know, anything out there, right? Yeah, for sure. More than happy to see the sunshine. And now if we can get some rain like you're talking. Like, Come on, rain. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to start every every week now playing songs that are affiliated with rain just to kind of do my part for a rain dance, you know? I don't know, man. All right, so what you got for us? I appreciate it. Uh, I was wondering last week, Graham got cut off a little bit. He, he mentioned football. Uh, were you guys, did you guys finish... Talking about pawpaws, or did you do that under your show? Yeah, I can't remember. It's all a blur now. Uh, If we finish talking, but I can't remember what we're even talking about with the pawpaws. (laughs) I had so much between now and then. Yeah, yeah. I know you're you're a busy person doing a lot of things, so that's. Yeah, yeah, it's that's understandable. It's weird searching my brain because, you know, I've given a couple presentations and I'm like going, oh, man, what, did, did we talk about pawpaws? And what the heck did we talk about with the pawpaw? I can't remember. All, all I yeah. know is, uh, yeah, pawpaws are really uh, gaining in popularity, right? I mean, shoot, 20 years yep. ago, if you asked somebody what a pawpaw was, they'd say, huh? Isn't that Mowgli's adventure? That's all they knew about the pawpaw is sitting under the pawpaw patch reading a book. Yep. And then that other one, what is it, uh, when you go out and harvest them off the tree, you know, it's something like pawpaw, pawpaw, sheriff's your fruit. Then you shake the tree. Right. Hope you don't get hit too hard in the head. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, we could call them conkers, right? Uh, if you're if you're shaking the tree trying to get those pawpaws down, they'll conk you on the head. They won't hurt, though, mind you. Um, but uh, probably... No, no, if they're ripe or even starting to ripe, then they'll just get a little softer for you. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I haven't talked to you for quite some time, so I appreciate all the different aspects you guys are touching about horticulture. I know, like, when I go out and collect my little nettles in the backyard there, you look up, down, up and down the alley, and there's no garden. There's, what, 10, 10 gardens at least, or 10 uh, backyards, but there's no gardens at all back there. Right. So I feel a lot of place when I'm back there planting something. <laughs> There's so much room for growth. There's so much room for life. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and especially in times like this, you know, where inflation is going up and right. food security, you don't know. And, you know, I always I always wonder about one of the things they don't talk about, you know, from, uh, uh, what was that, Fukuyama several years ago with that uh, mm. real bad earthquake that they had over in, oh, in Japan, there, uh-huh. you know. Right. You, you don't hear anything about you know what happened and, and you don't know the aftermath the, the aftermath and everything uh-huh. and, and you look at what 
California and well, the whole West Coast, for that matter, you know, between floods and fires and earthquakes and mudslides. And I was just reading the other day about uh, strawberry. You know, strawberries are are really being hurt out west because places where they're grown is are getting flooded. So, mm, wow. Anyway, but yeah, man, brother, get out there in case somebody else needs on. So, well, thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Thank you for for tuning in and calling in. It's been too long. Good to hear from yeah, you, Richard. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Adios. Yeah, Thank you so much. All right, Richard, thanks for calling in. Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, speaking of strawberries, you know, yeah, we can grow them here in Nebraska. You know, the you pick stuff, you know, maybe you don't have so many options. I have a friend that, dude, he, he converted his whole, not his whole backyard, but I would say it's a 30 by 30 foot plot and just uh, growing the strawberries is a ground cover. And, uh, man, he told me he got buckets of strawberries out of there like like two five gallon buckets full of of strawberries that he harvested total i think so pretty impressive and man the homegrown strawberries put those california strawberries to shame and you know this when you cut a strawberry in half right and it's red all the way through a nebraska grown one versus one that's maybe harvested and like sprayed with ethylene gas to kind of get it ripe of course it's all for shipping right because they're very perish perishable product but you cut open a california or texas strawberry and they're white inside right sure they have strawberry flavor but man if you've never bitten into a homegrown strawberry compared to a, a california texas grown strawberry you'll go huh okay i see what you f- folks are talking about all right well i'm looking at the clock on this fastest hour in radio Thank you for connecting with us today here on How's It Growing. I appreciate your time and you tuning in and liking the show, all that jazz. Uh, I was talking about the willow tree, right? Uh, The willow tree has three layers to recognize, right, when you're going out to harvest the bark. And there's great YouTube videos out there to show you. So just type in uh, harvesting willow bark for medicine. Uh, you'll get all sorts of good stuff out there, articles, YouTube videos to show you all this stuff. So don't feel like you have to know it, uh, just hear it from me. I'm here to provide you the inspiration to go look into it further, to do your own research. But the exterior bark, the bark that you see outside of the tree on, on young branches, right? So we're talking branches maybe as thick as your thumb, not the older trunk, right? Uh, you want that bark. Uh, it's very thin and smooth on the small saplings and on the new growth shoots. And it's somewhat uh, thick and furrowed on older trees, right? You want to only harvest bark from the young shoots or the branches that are, are no more than two years old. About the Again, about the diameter of your thumb or less. Any older on the exterior bark is too thick and cumbersome to deal with. Mind you, it has the medicine, but you want the you want the young bark, right? So that exterior bark is one thing to harvest. And then the inner bark, and that is the white or the cream colored, slightly green um, to, to whitish. Uh, the inner bark is the layer of fibers that lay just under the exterior bark. It is very thin, just about an eighth of an inch or less. And it, this is where the medicine is. And then you have the bark, the bulk of the branch of the tree is just beneath that inner bark layer. This is the wood layer, and that can be discarded, composted, whatever, or used in other crafting projects such as basketry, right? You can harvest willow bark during any time of the year, but it's ideal to do in the spring for two reasons. And the first is that in springtime, the inner bark is flush with sap and fluids, making the bark easy to peel from the branch or the small tree. 
So secondly, research indicates that the concentration of the sal salicin acid in willow bark is highest in spring, rising to as much as 12.5% compared to only 0.08% in the fall. So anyway, so and for ethical harvest, it's always best to cut from new growth shoots or branches. It should never be necessary to cut directly from the trunk of an established willow. So in other words, you're not going to hurt a willow. They rejuvenate very well, right? And uh, anyway, so if you're stripping the bark from a young tree with very, uh, with very thin exterior bark, you, you rarely take the time to scrape away the exterior bark layer. You typically just include that layer with the inner bark fibers. However, if you wish to remove the thin layer of exterior bark, you can do this by simply scraping it away with a knife blade at a 90 degree angle to the branch. So um, it can be used fresh or dried. You can dry and store it uh, in the inner bark, cut into thin strips that are less than three inches long. And then these can be dried in dehydrator or just on a baking sheet left out on the counter for a few days. And then you can turn, the, you can turn them over, of course, uh, to allow the sides to breathe. And they should be dry and ready to store in either a paper bag or sealed jar within just a few days. And then uh, using it as medicine, it can be um, used in a variety of ways, but uh, tinctures and homemade capsules, if you grind it into a you know, fine powder or whatever. And uh, so anyway, so for simplicity and time, uh, you can do what uh, a willow bark field dose. And some people will just say you got a headache, you're out in the field, and it's like, or you're hiking with somebody and they got a headache, just snip off a young twig of the willow. All right, I'm looking at the clock. I'm out of time. I thank you for your time today. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to Amanda. If she's listening, moving on from KZUM, it's been a pleasure working with you, Amanda. You have fun in your next great adventure. And I know this is not goodbye, but uh, we will see you around. All right, folks, you have a great week. I'll see you back here next week for How's It Growing, where nettle is king. And uh, man, pray for some rain, would you? Bring it on. Have a good one. Bye.